in an ordinary world where a hero is called to adventure. He refuses the call and then meets his mentor. An inciting event pushes the hero on his journey. And crossing that first test where he fails miserably, assembles allies, enemies, and whatever other stuff he needs to win his day and journey. He approaches prematurely to try to tackle his task and fails again, only to be rebuilt after losing his guide, which then leads to the final epic tale where he is triumphant. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. My name is Joe Kowalski, and I'm your host today. I've got Adam and Michael with me as usual. And uh, today we're going to talk about 651, which should be out. And you guys should be uh, loving that. Um, A little bit of mobile stuff. We've got some smug to cover. But before we do that, we've chatted briefly throughout our journey here about a book that I had everyone in the company read, um, The Story Brand. And... We're going to talk about that. We're going to hash out a little bit. And Michael, why don't you kind of get us started here since it's a marketing topic. What's this book all about? What is it trying to accomplish and how can our users uh, leverage it? Awesome. Yeah. So the book Story Brand uh, by Donald Miller, I'll put a link in the description if if you want to check it out. Um, Basically, the best way to sum it up is building a story brand is about making your customer the hero of a story. Um, And that that may sound kind of weird, like talking about like your business and a story. Like how does that kind of relate? That sounds like, that sounds like to me when I first read it, I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. But at first it was very uh, foreign kind of, of, of concept of like this, this story and hero and what's all this. But um, basically what it boils down to is that like, as you can do all this great marketing, you can make have a pretty website, you can have fantastic graphics and all that's super important necessary. But um, something from the book is, says that pretty websites don't sell things, words sell things. And if you haven't clarified your message, your customers won't listen. So the book is all about clarifying your message. Um, and, it, and it uses, it goes back to this, uh, this, this idea of a story and how in a story, um, audiences uh, must always know who the hero is, what the hero wants, who the hero has to defeat to get what they want, what tragic thing will happen if the hero doesn't win. And what wonderful thing will happen if they do? There's all these elements to a story that you can actually bring in to your marketing messaging within your business. Um, and that's a perfect little segue into what you want to talk about here, Joe, with the hero's journey. Yeah, I mean, it's a literary structure, right? I mean, if you study literature at that level at all, you'll realize there's only a dozen or so paradigms and that we keep rehashing those same ones over and over and over again. And once you kind of get it, um, it's like when I started audio engineering, I, I stopped listening to music. <laughs> I was listening to the technical aspects. And so, um, it, it be warned, uh, if you dive into this at all, as far as like your literary journey, then you're going to start seeing this in every film and book that you see. Um, so the hero's journey is one of those. And it's kind of, you know, it's a setup of these 12 steps, like in an ordinary world, where a hero is called to adventure. He refuses the call and then meets his mentor. An inciting event pushes the hero on his journey. And crossing that 
first test where he fails miserably, assembles allies, enemies, and whatever other stuff he needs to win his day and journey. He approaches prematurely to try to tackle his task and fails again, only to be rebuilt after losing his guide, which then leads to the final epic tale where he is triumphant. It's like you see this over and over and over, and it's the same freaking thing. Um, and great stories are made that way. And if we have any D and D fans, like this is a great way to set up your Dungeons and Dragons adventures. Are, are you talking about your beats of your journey and your story in that way? So, what this book is attempting to do is give you a structure, parameters, um, kind of restrictions to say, can we design and develop uh, copy? websites, um, brochures in such a way where we're utilizing these primal beats that are so ingrained into us, we see them over and over again. And in so doing, give you kind of bumper cars to make sure you're checking off all the boxes, the boxes which will ultimately make people engage with your message. And if they have a problem that you're trying to solve, purchase from you. So how do we do that in the story brand, Michael? Well, there's kind of seven big ideas that the book presents. Um, and we're going we're gonna to touch on them all, but I highly encourage you to read the book because obviously we can't cover an entire book's worth of material in one podcast. It would take like 10, which may be cool, but we're not going to do that. So the first one of the seven big ideas is the customer is the hero, not your brand. That's kind of the premise of the whole thing is that the customer is the hero, not your brand. You yeah, as if the you're company... Sending- if you're sending yeah. an email that says, hey, we've been around since 2003 and we employ the best hot water extract, that's all you. Yep. That's all you as the hero. You can't be the hero. Your client has to be this hero. Yep. Hey, I understand you might have a problem that we can solve for you or that we can help you with because you can position yep. yourself as the guide as opposed to them uh, being um, an observer in your hero's journey. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a big thing. Like I relating it back to service monster a little bit. Um, like, like when, when I first read that book, I, I just started at the company. I hadn't been here very long. Um, and that was an interesting kind of, it allowed me kind of a real life perspective. Like I read this book and I was like, okay, how am I going to, as like doing the marketing, how can I, can I, can I can actually put this book into action and put this concept into action? So it's still tough. And I still come back to it constantly when I'm thinking of, of writing marketing messages. And Joe, you and I have talked about this like countless times about the um, making sure that the customer is the hero and, and taking the focus off of us and back onto what problems the customer has and how we solve it. Um, and that leads into the second big idea, which is... Well, before, uh, we, before we jump, I do want to I'll give them okay, one real example of kind of what we did. Um, and also, if you know the rules, it means you can break them and on purpose, right? As long as you're aware of what you're doing. So one thing that we do do is we let people follow along on the service monster journey. And so we do have a service monster as a hero thread that we run through some of our marketing, but that's usually backend stuff, right? People who are really in the know, but when you're coming to us for, as a CRM and you want our product, you don't give a crap who Joe and Michael and, and Adam and the service monster family are. Like you, you just don't, you just want a CRM. And so in that case, we work really hard at putting you as the hero. 
but we don't always get it right. One thing that, uh, and one example I like to use is our conversations for years around view count, <laughs> where we'd say, oh, you know, we've got this video on YouTube and we really want to make the view count impressive, you know? So when people go there, it's not like, oh, four people viewed your video, you guys suck. Like, and so what we do is we you put together little micro content, which we know people enjoy, but we put it together in such a way where it was like a breadcrumb where we were trying to entice them to leave the platform, let's say Facebook and take them to YouTube. Um, that's wrong. That's making us the hero because then it's all about us. We need to make it all about you, which, which made us go, Oh, we need to make these, if we're going to make them available on other platforms, we need to make them available in their entirety in other platforms. Not because we're trying to garner the view count. Now, as it turns out, certain content's not great in certain platforms, which means we don't push full videos to YouTube on Facebook very often because nobody's going to sit through a 40-minute video on Facebook. It's like really extremely rare. So the change that we made was stopping caring about likes on certain platforms, stop caring about having multiple pieces of content on different platforms that are distributed as opposed to in one location and develop the content where it's not a breadcrumb, it's just value dumped right in your lap. And so those micro content pieces change from teasers to value. And so we're just giving you value straight away. You don't have to go watch the video in order to figure out what Joe says next. So we get it wrong occasionally too, even though we're really diligent about how we want to approach this. So occasionally we'll have to remind ourselves, oh, wait, this isn't about us. It's about them. Uh, and then we, once we realign that, it's real easy to, to move forward and, and make sure we're messaging correctly. I think that's a good thing, honestly. It's, it's good to be wrong with that sometimes because when you recognize that you're doing this the wrong way, you're approaching it the wrong way, it gives you the ability to fix it and to improve. Um, you know, like we're like, oh, that was, that was eh, not the best. Cool. Now you know. You learned. Well, this is just one more example, too. I mean, we harp on it. A lot of you guys are already aware of this. It's just some, one of those things that you're aware of, but it's very easy to kind of rest on your laurels, right? You find something that, that's working for probably a long period of time sometimes, and you just keep at it and you know the landscape shifts you know when facebook came out or at least i should say when facebook came out to the older generations i don't know exactly when that Careful. was um and when i said <laughs> <laughs> yes well I'll let, I'll let you guys figure out what what you know constitutes older um but the the point of that is is facebook originally was for you know colleges and then it went to kind of teens and then so on and now it actually you know is much more um about the you know the boomer generation generation x and that's a lot of you know what you guys are looking for is is, uh, is clients and so that's why advertising there has been so beneficial and so on anyways the point of this is before i ramble too on was just that constantly be you know reevaluating what you're putting out there because it's very easy to find something that starts working and then just keep rolling with that and this is kind of the point that joe's making is always be making sure that you're you know hitting on that so mm -hmm. exactly number two the second big idea of seven is that companies tend to sell solutions to external problems but customers buy solutions 
to internal problems. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Basically, what it means is that um, there's all these external problems out there. These these problems that are that that are that are outside of us, um, but they cause frustration, and frustration is an internal problem, or they cause people to be scared, or 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 they need something, and those are internal um, those are internal problems, internal issues that people um, have that are caused by this external problem. So then as a brand, you want to look to um, how you are solving the internal problem, like people's frustration or people's fear, I guess that's a weird one, I guess. But I mean, it, it's relevant for maybe like a security company or something. Um, maybe not cleaning well, I mean, so much. For well, cleaning like company, you know? yeah, I mean, if, you, if we can ground it in context, the cleaning yeah. company, their external problem is going to be the dirty carpet, the yep. dusty um, mantle, uh, the um, dirty windows you can't see out of. <clears throat> the internal problem is the feeling of cleanliness, of happiness, of freshness, of um, a, a work environment where you're happy to be in. Like we all know the difference between working and playing in an environment that is just a mess and one that is like totally everything's put back in its place and everything is super clean For, and creatives especially have a problem getting in a clean environment. But they're the first ones who are in a clean environment are like, Oh, this is so amazing. Like my mind is open. Um, and so we all know that feeling that might be the feeling that Michael's talking about here, that feeling of contentment that comes with knowing that things are freshly clean. Yep, exactly. I think even with, with cleaning, you know, um, there's this internal problem of, uh, 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 like, like rounding around sanitation and cleanliness right now with, uh, the current COVID-19 crisis. Um, you know, people may, I know a lot of cleaners have transitioned to being able to offer some sort of sanitation service. Um, and that, that taps into that. It's, it's, it, there are people have this internal, uh, fear or, or concern about where they're at, what they're touching, the environment around them. Um, so as a cleaning business, you know, like we talked about pivoting to that, that's a great example actually of, of identifying your customers' internal problems and solving them, or at least providing a potential solution uh, to those internal problems. And that's a good example for kind of the, the time we're in right now and relevant to right now. Um, do you have anything else on that, Joe? Um, no, I think that sums it up pretty well. Obviously, you know, how does that translate to copy? How does all this translate to actionable items on your website? We'll get to that uh, in, in small part. But part of what we're doing here is, is giving you the framework. And then I would encourage you to go buy the damn book. <laughs> you know, it's a small read. It's an easy read. Um, it's available on audiobook. So, um, yeah, let, let us let us kind of give you the framework so you can go into it without the fog of war. Um, but you're going to get a lot of benefit out of that book itself. Yep. And one thing on that, too, the book has a lot of uh, sheets in it. You can go to a website and download them, too. Um, and we use like those worksheets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we they, use they totally those. help. Yeah. So that's another reason why, like, this is good framework overall. Um, but really get the book or audiobook. And I think you can go on the website and download the the sheets. And that really helps you. Like for me, I'm a very visual learner, so it helps me to be able to write it all out and kind of see how these things relate. Um, but yeah, so the third uh, point is that customers aren't looking for another hero. They're looking for a guide. 
and we've already touched on this a little bit, but this is positioning your brand as the guide. Again, you're not the hero, the customer is the hero, but you're the one who helps them and gets them to the, the ultimate goal or, or helps them solve that problem. Don't be Luke, be Obi-Wan. Let them be Luke. Like, let the guy who's calling to get the carpet cleaned be the hero to his wife. You're there to support him. And if you can make them feel like that, man, you're their guy because you're their guide, because you're their expert, because you're the guru, because you're the one who understands. Now, this comes with responsibility, like any great power, which is know your brand and know your stuff. Like you should know fabric and you should know, you know, um, surfactant and you should like go listen to the cleaning podcast that we do, which is, you know, more talking about the cleaning and so forth link in the show notes below. But you know, get, get sciency with it. If you're a landscaper, like understand your plants and bushes and your perennials and, you know, like learn your craft, then you can be the guide. That actually is perfect. Cause the fourth point, um, which ties into it really well is trustmers or trustmers, customers trust. I combined two words there. Look at that. <laughs> customers trust a guide who has a plan. So that's exactly what you're talking about. If like you, you can be like, you, Oh, like they're the hero. I'm the guide, whatever, but you have to have a plan. You have to have something to offer them. You have to be knowledgeable. Like you said, Joe, you have to be the expert in your, in your field. You have to actually have something to offer them. Um, that's, that's relevant and like a, a, a path to their success. They, you, they can't know more than you about your industry and your, and I'll tell you, here's a little story about me. Um, when I first started my, I had a couple different sales careers in my youth, but I worked at guitar center for a while and I was a pretty good salesperson. And so they moved me into pro audio, right? So selling the recording equipment. And, um, you know, if you follow me, you know, eventually I ended up becoming a recording engineer, but in my first four months, I totally blew this rule because they'd come in to the pro audio suite and I would start talking to them about channels and tracks and reversing the terminology. And they, as studio engineers, knew what the hell was going on. They knew the difference between a channel and a track. But I sound like an asshole salesperson who's just trying to sell them shit when I all I did was reverse the terminology. And when I got the terminology right, they're like, okay, I can trust you because you know what the hell you're talking about. And so just that little simple thing, like when they come to you now, this almost never happens. They're not going to be like, well, do you bonnet clean or do you do hot water extraction? Because I've heard blah, 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 blah. Right. And this goes back to my rants about people being experts in fields they know nothing about. This is rare in the cleaning industry. They don't, they don't typically. Now I will say I've seen it in maid services. Right. Well, they'll try to tell the maid what to do. Um, and again, if the maid doesn't know, doesn't understand the science of the cleaning chemistry and all that, then sure, Mrs. Jones is going to push him around. Um, and then sometimes there is something to be said by being an expert and then still performing the service for the client because they're the hero. Again, they're the hero, but have a plan. Know your stuff. When you have a plan or when you demonstrate you have a plan, especially in the copy of your website, step one, step two, step three, here's what you're going to experience. They trust you. And so if you can establish that through your copy, that you have a plan by establishing and giving them the plan, then trust is almost eminent. I'd say, too, that a really big point on that is 
once you're past the owner operator phase, I mean, when you're, when you're actually out there doing the cleaning, you know, you only, have, you only have to worry about your own knowledge. Maybe you've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years and you already kind of have that innate knowledge. Once you start hiring, uh, if you, if you want to go that path, I know not everyone necessarily wants to have that. Um, but if you start going down that path, you need to make sure that you put your employees in a position to also become those experts. They might never become the same level as yourself, but they're going to be the ones that are, you know, facing the, the client. So if you have all this messaging and everything you put on your website and your technicians can't follow through because you gave them a week's worth of training and just threw them to the, to the lions, basically, then, you know, it's all going to kind of flop and that's going to present itself pretty quickly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Make sure your whole organization can be a guide. Otherwise you're only going to be as guidey as your weakest guide. Mm-hmm. That, that goes cool, back man. to what I talked to about educating your 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 uh, employees, you know, That's your right. techs, making sure they're they all you're all representing the company, you're all representing the brand. So everyone's got to be on the same page there. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's perfect. The uh, the fifth big idea is that customers do not take action unless they are challenged to take action. So this even is the, our hero needs an inciting yep. event, right? Luke's yep. parent or Luke's aunt and uncle had to get burned all up. He was about ready to go uh, go to school for the imperial fleet, right? He was about to go join the empire, <laughs> but then uh, they burned up his aunt and uncle. So he's now now guess what? Now he's Luke Skywalker, bitches. Yep. That's right. It's like, all they had to do was yeah. all they had to do was put him in and give him a pilot seat, and he would have never taken uh, Darth out. Yep. I still think the best example of this is the Lord of the Rings. I was all thinking Frodo, all Frodo wanted to do was just relax in the Shire. That's why the <laughs> Hobbits. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's right. All he wanted to do was chill, and that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah. This was actually one. I I don't want to you know take Michael's you know. Um, oh please! I want you to chime in, please. Well, this was a big one. This was one of the biggest items I think outside of the the whole you know concept of the hero versus the guide. This is the big one that we worked on on the website. I remember being in the meetings when it was we weren't giving them that action of take the trial. Here's even with, with the old the demo. It was not that easy to get to the demo. We weren't really pushing that. Um, and so that was a big part of our website redesign. And so that's why I said I didn't want to take Michael's thunder because that was really his major project. But that was Which one of the by, first things. By the way, guys, <clears throat> and before I say this, I'm going to quantify it. Multiple things went into this metric I'm about to quote here. But the story brand probably paid, played maybe 50% of the role across the board. We completely changed the way Service Monster approaches our leads, both on our website and on the product itself. And that was August of last year. And within 60 days, we had a 300% increase in our lead acquisition. Now, we then had to swing the pendulum because we were so good about driving people in. We weren't necessarily qualifying as well as we should. And some of the stuff that was coming in via the mobile channel was kind of junky. So, we intentionally turned that channel off and ended up with a steady 200% lead acquisition year over year. And even through COVID, we remained at 150% year over year, and we are now just under 200% again. And so for real, like I believe in this because we used it to great effect. So 
Uh, it's not like we just read some book we thought it'd be cool to talk to you guys about. This is when we give you guys information and knowledge is because we've already been through it or because it's fresh, a fresh wound for us. That's <laughs> how we kind of put that stuff together. So, Yeah, this actually, and Joe suggested the this topic for the podcast, and I'm, I'm actually going to go back and reread the book. Um, here, I'm going to go the office and get my copy because I was like, man, like I was rereading some of the, the, the concepts from it. I'm like, Oh, this is such good stuff. I feel like it's kind of one of those things where you probably should revisit it every so often. Seriously. Um, you know, just, it just, just forces you into yeah. a paradigm to look as a filter, right. And checks yeah. and balances. Like, did I do that? Is that quite, Oh man, I kind of strayed over here. I might want to realign that a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And also some, a lot of times, you know, you just see something you didn't the first time. Just like, oh man, that totally means something different to me now. As you Which, grow again, goes, goes back to that number five idea. Like people don't take action unless they're challenged to take action. So one of the exactly. things the book is doing is challenging you to look at your copy, at your website, at your brochure and say, mm-hmm. am I challenging people to take action? Am I making sure that they have an easy way to say, okay, I'm sold, click. Okay, I'm sold, yeah. dial, like, do I have that in their purview at the time they want to make that decision? And so that's super important. Same thing when you're on site, you know, do you have something for your technicians, whether it's using the mobile app, whether it's just, you know, a pamphlet or something you have, or they can just point at something and serve. Are you upselling certain things? Are you selling them, you know, being the expert of their home externally, internally, whatever kind of, you know, cleaner you fall under, maybe they're only doing the high traffic areas. You know, maybe they have, you know, uh, hardwood uh, linoleum maybe they have you know tile and grout and things like that that you could easily be you know showing them the benefits of you doing that work and if you don't have a way for them to easily do that then it might be falling by the wayside yeah exactly that goes into the last topic of diversifying you know if you've diversified then you really can be the expert of like you know for like a carpet cleaner who's diversified into like tile and grout cleaning you know and things like that your or hardwood floor cleaning, whatever, you're become the expert of cleaning their whole home or all their floor surfaces. Um, and that's, that sounds good to me, right? Being able to, to clean everything. Um, the, uh, the sixth point is that every human being is trying to avoid a tragic ending. Yeah, 2020. What the <laughs> hell? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I, remember. Never mind. So, Go ahead. The example yeah, I always think of when we were having meetings for this um, was the big family holiday meal. Like whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's Christmas, whatever your family you know holiday might do. If you do that, um, there's typically someone who would host that, right? Who's hosting that the big event, and you know the the big thing is we, the tragic ending is if they don't get their house cleaned up and it's just a mess. And so before you even get to sit down and have your meal, you're having a big fight over, you know, whatever is happening. I'm not saying this is from personal experience. I'm just saying that uh, you know, sometimes it's nice to, to get that win there when you're hosting. So that's the, that's the example I always think of. Yeah. And this obviously is, there's a well-known marketing tactic about, you know, leveraging fear right? Fear style marketing. And I'm not a huge proponent of that. I'm also not a huge proponent of sex sells. Like those are two things that we really don't lean on. But setting them up 
for what might happen if they don't get their problem solved, regardless of how they choose to solve their problem, can invoke that emotional response. Like, do you want to still be in the same spot you're at this time next year? Right. Which is, you know, a, um, a tool we haven't really fully leveraged, even though that that's true. People will look at a CRM and they'll often buy on their anniversary of looking at it the first time. Like we have this big spike 12 months after you saw your tr uh, trial or 24 months after you saw your trial. I mean, it's like significant, like five times higher than any of the other surrounding uh, times of periods of time after you've done your trial after that first, let's say 90 days. Why? It's because you're running into your same problem that made you look at your solution, CRM as a solution in the first place. And so one of the things that you can say, we could say on our site as an example here is, do you really want to be looking at this problem next year? Like the next time you have this problem, do you really just, how about we just solve it? And so otherwise you're going to have a tragic ending. <laughs> your ending will be, you're doing the same thing you're doing last year and you're, you're in the same spot. You haven't grown. You haven't, uh, you haven't moved the ball forward. Cause that's, we hear that a lot. It's like, oh, I know I need to do it, but I'm just, now's not a great time. I'll do it a little bit later. And that a little bit later turns into next year. And you're like, oh, if I would have done it, then I, I would have had all this stuff sorted. So you can use that messaging to kind of let the hero know, hey, there's a tragic ending that can befall you if you're not following the path that I have set up as part of the plan that I've created to show you that I'm a guide. Yep, exactly. That's a good point because they, they do talk about uh, fear appeal marketing in the book. And like like you said, it that's a that's a weird one. Um and for for cleaners especially, like I I don't know if if you necessarily want to take like that's a the fear bug, approach, right? huh? The bug they'll use that often, like the like the bed bugs when the bed oh. bug scare was big, or they'll show yeah. like dust mites, yeah, you know, living in your carpet and, and all the nasty that's there because you get a microscope and you look yeah. inside a carpet, that's nasty stuff. Yeah, you don't want to see that. There's like whole <laughs> ecosystems in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> but like something that's similar to the fear appeal marketing that I that I personally think is is cool and can be effective is like showing um, like we did like the the carpet cleaning wastewater um, yeah. grossest wastewater video. It's like that's still kind of doing the same thing of like this is this is nasty. Obviously, this is what's coming out of people's carpets. This is what's coming out of people's homes. Um, and doing stuff like that, like it gets the point across of like, hey, you're living in filth whether you can see it or not. Um, and we'll fix that for you. Um, we'll make you, your that's home a, feel so nice. And that's clean. a perfect, that's perfect. Cause it wraps it all up. Like, cause, cause you have, what do you get out of what problem we're trying to solve? Well, we're trying to make you feel that feeling when you're sitting in a clean environment. We're not trying to clean the environment. We're trying to give you the feeling that you get sitting in a clean environment. And what happens yeah. if you don't follow the plan I'm outlining as a guide? What's the tragedy? Oh, the tragedy is you see all this nasty ass water I pulled out of other people's homes. Yeah, that's still in your house. Yeah. That's a tragedy. That is right? So yeah. that's a good way to set that up as a good example on your site. It would be like, yeah. here's an example of clean home, but here's what came we pulled out of it, uh, yeah. which can be used to really drive that number six point home. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the last big idea is never assume people understand how your brand can change their lives. Tell them. And that's fairly self-explanatory in the sense of like you have to, you can't just expect 
people to understand what you do and how you do it even, you have to tell them. Um, and that's that I think for cleaners, it's, 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 that's a pretty straightforward one. I think of like, this is what you're doing. I offer these services. This is the result, you know, yeah, but it has your, a change your lives. Like follow the well, context of the question, yeah. right? It's trying to put them in. Like, how are you changing your client's life? It's giving them that feeling. Right. And, yep. and, and then not only that, but making sure they never have to feel it again because you're exactly. their guy. Cause then yep. you build your loyalty and your client retention around that messaging around that trust. And now not only are you going to avoid the tragic ending of this one potential transaction, but all the other ones in the future too. And I'm going to change your life because you'll never have to be in this state again. And I'm going to make sure of it and you won't have to worry about it or scheduling it or reaching it. I'll do all that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the the conclusion statement that I, I liked from the book was we must tell our customers what their lives will look like after they buy our products or they will have no motivation to do so. That's right. It's exactly what you were just talking about. So um, that's kind of what we've, we've got for uh, the story brand summary. Um, very high level there. Um, the, the nitty gritties in the book, fantastic read. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to reread it honestly. So it's a, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. I'll, like I said, I'll put a link to it um, in the bio so you guys can check it out if you're interested. But that's what we got. Do you have anything else, Joe, on on story brand? No, I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, you know, setting up the book and giving the beats, um, maybe a little context on how they can implement it. But the the book's worksheets, read through the book and look at the worksheets. um, Mm -hmm. That'll really help refine and don't do it in a vacuum. Don't do it by yourself. Right. Get opinions of other people and kind of kick it around. You'll you'll chew up a sentence for five, six days. It'll go through several iterations. Like you'll replace one word. You'll wake up in the middle of the line and go, oh, but it requires effort and attention. And yep. so that's really what I'm trying to give you guys is focus, effort, attention, a roadmap so that you can yep. then apply this stuff to your own business and see some of these incredible results that we've seen over this last year. Yep. Yeah. And, and to touch on that too, like the, the book kind of, it's kind of like a mindset change. Like there, there's obviously the book has all the great practical stuff um, in it of, of like worksheets you can go through, but it's like a total mindset shifter of, of, of how you think about marketing, how you think about your relationship as a business and as a brand to your customers. Um, so that's why like you suggested audiobook, Joe, I think this actually would be a really good one to, um, to listen to. Cause I think you can uh, kind of get the mindset maybe a little, better that way and then go back um, and read it or do the worksheets to make it a little more practical. There's a lot of approaches to it, but um, definitely worth worth the time. Um, it's been very uh, company changing for us. So definitely. in very positive ways. So for sure. well, especially yeah. if you guys are out on the truck, I mean, you're going to have a lot of time where you can just throw something on rather than listen to the radio or your favorite song. Yep. yep. Yeah. If yep. you're not using that time while you're cleaning or in the truck to, enrich yourself at least in part it doesn't have to be all the time but at least in part in your, that's a big opportunity wasted yep exactly and joe rogan's um, fine but only so much <laughs> yeah everything in moderation right even moderation even moderation and moderation yep all right adam take us away 
yeah, so Service Monster News. We have a few exciting things. Actually, I'm not even giving that segue enough kind of enthusiasm there. Release 6.5.1 um, should be out when this is when this podcast is released next week. Um, barring some crazy find on either Monday or Tuesday morning, we've been in the QA process now for a few weeks, um, kind of ironing out any of the kinks and so on. And Joe has actually in that time been improving um, kind of what the information we're going to get out of that the analytics that we're going to kind of be able to pull so we can be catching things before they're even hitting you guys. Um, there is a lot to this. We've discussed it on previous podcasts numerous times. Um, Joe's gone in depth as far as some of the caching without going you know, too, too specific on this multiple times. So I don't think we need to go into it again. If you guys are curious, watch one of the last couple of weeks podcasts, jump to the service monster show section. It'll be right there. Um, but that is coming, and I know some of you guys are chomping at the bit, especially if you you users who are experiencing some some very weird spikes and things like that. So, yeah. So let me set up the expectations properly. Um, I should you should already be using it by the time you're listening to this. This the performance improvements should be pretty dang noticeable, but we're not done. So what this release has allowed us to do is put application performance monitoring in place to a very high degree so that anything remaining now can get identified quickly to an individual uh, user within the server settings so that we know what impact they're having and what issue we need to address. So not only have we done a lot of things to improve performance, we're on this 12-step plan, right? Um, and this would be releasing step five and six. Um, we still have more steps to go, but those are refinement steps that'll have more impact on individual users. So if you're listening to this and going, yeah, I saw a performance increase, but I'm still having a problem. If you're one of those 21 that we've talked about before, <clears throat> the answer is I don't know what this impact is going to have on you. It should be fairly significant. It might not be perfect yet, but this will give us the, the vision that we need to go fix it rapidly after the release. So I'm very excited. I don't know if there's anyone more excited for me than me for this release, just because of the amount of data that's going to be pouring out of it that we can then use to make Service Monster the best product online. So very, 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 very excited to start that journey of our own once we get this data going. Absolutely. And that'll um, make us better guides. Better guides, and you guys are the heroes. Yeah. See, tiny backstory <laughs> brand. Look at that. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Continue. No, you're fine, Yoda. I appreciate it. Um, so, on the mobile front, if you guys aren't aware, um, you don't have automatic updates, something like that turned on, release 1.3.0 is out in the wild. Um, and you guys are going to want to update to that. We updated our framework, we fixed some some bugs we had some ui ux improvements um it's safe now too by the way we have um some of our tracking is already in that release not all of it but a lot of it and um and we you know we can tell bugs and so forth and that that version's really safe it seems to be very stable um very low number of issues um given the hundreds of thousands of requests that it's pushing so um yeah totally safe you can go uh, go play with that and 
and get it. If you, if you go, ah, service monster, I usually wait a couple of days before I get something from them. Like, I understand. Like, I'm not even going to go into it. I understand. Let's just leave it at that. So it's safe now. Go get one, one point three. And on top of that, we've been working diligently on one point three point one. Um, it's actually going to be heading into QA next week. Um, probably around a week uh, is what we've got kind of targeted as far as QA time right now. But Again, we've been doing a bunch of UI UX improvements. Um, there are some bug fixes that are in there. I won't go into, into details there. We'll have them you know, in the release notes specifically. But what I will tell you are a couple of big ticket items you guys are going to be excited about. One, multi-route view on, on the day view. You guys will be able to select and view multiple routes at once. This has been a big high demand item for you guys for a while. Um, we spent a lot of time kind of researching how we wanted to approach this and really, really, really like how it's turned out. So Ethan much, flew through that so fast. Well, he had we time just, to work on it too when we were doing the upgrade, but yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I was playing around with the route selector today. So it looks really nice. looks really, really good. And it's not just individual routes you guys can toggle on. You guys can easily swap to a you know route tag, right? So if you have a lot of, you know, routes trucks etc only some of them deal with tile and grout or some of them deal with you know carpet or so on and so forth you can easily just swap oh i just want to see all, all, all my carpet routes just like you can on, on on desktop and it's one two click of a button so yes that's a major um, improvement that you guys are going to be excited about another big one that we hear about i'd say this is probably second on the list outside of the uh camera roll being in reverse is we have made it so that you guys will stay logged in for longer. Um, we've heard from numerous sources that on the technician's front, on the sales front, even on the owner-operator front, you guys hate logging in every day. Um, it always seems to happen at the worst times. You guys feel like you have to pull over, not that you should really be talking on the phone or putting things in when you're driving. Um, Don't do that. But, yeah. We do not condone that behavior. Absolutely. <clears throat> but. Um, we did make the bit buttons big so that you didn't have to fumble through it, though. Yeah. But uh, the main thing is that you guys will stay logged in for, for longer. Um, right now, we've set it to a week. Um, so you guys should you know, be able to log in on Monday and be good throughout the week. So hopefully that definitely alleviates some frustration for you guys. Oh, that's, another, with the, that's with six, uh, 1.3.1. Correct. Okay. And lastly, the service items in the technician app and, and so on, we had the ability to add the description um, or add to the, the description, I should say. So if you've got 12 service items that are named, you know, rooms or cars or, you know, areas, whatever you wanted to name those service items, uh, you wanted to pull that into your description, which might have a whole bunch of cool information about the service itself. Well, now you can add to it. So it's not just a replace um, or, or, or so on. We're giving you guys an easy toggle, um, and the, the UI has been improved. Um, and I believe, um, maybe if you want to throw in there, but I believe he made that a, a setting, so it's actually going to stick, right? So you don't have to toggle it every single time. Yeah, it should be. That was what I wanted him to do. Um, it's session based, though. It's not. It won't stick for, you know, in between your logins. Let's say. Um, because I wasn't sure about how sticky we should make that individual thing, but. During your session, whatever you set it to, it'll be set to that the next time around. Yep. So 
again, it's UI UX improvements over something that any of you guys are interested in. So, and there are numerous other other items that we've been improving through this. So like I said, we'll have the full release notes. You know, definitely make sure you guys take a look at that. Don't have a set release date yet, but like I said, we're heading into QA next week. So it'll definitely be on the near horizon. Um, outside of that, 6.5.2 will be, you know, still looking at the, the horizon there. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you guys have heard about that already. We've talked about account tags. We've talked about a new account dashboard page and some self-import improvements. Um, so don't fret. Those are definitely still on the cusp as well. Um, once 651 is out and you guys can kind of get that performance um, upgrade and we can start, you know, parsing through the data. And like Joe said, tons of data that we're going to be able to help you guys have the best experience possible. So some exciting stuff. Definitely July is going to be an exciting month here. So yeah, here, here's, here, here is different now. <laughs> That's true. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, um, we can jump out of the the news segment. I can take off my suit and tie here um, and jump into Entree Joe. And this was definitely kind of an interesting one. You've talked about this a few times, Joe. I think it's always important. It always gets a ton of likes and comments and such when you when you mention it because it's it's not an easy concept to really – understand or hold yourself to it's one of those things you just constantly have to have to go through and you'll you'll jump on this once i kind of go through so man i've seen a lot of posts lately complaining about employees the culture that you are to build is 100 your responsibility not theirs it's all on you get good at hiring people and comfortable with firing people take control or lose control time to revisit an old favorite do not hold employees to the same standards you hold for yourself first it's not fair to the employee no one will love your business the way you do. Through leadership, if you can get them to 85 or 90%, you have a winner. Try to remember, we don't call people who can do everything you do employees. We call them competitors. Entre Joe. Why don't you kind of dive into that a little bit, Joe? And Yeah, well, I have seen a lot of people complaining lately. Obviously, COVID has changed the game. Um, and there are certainly uh, large groups of people during this time who found it more pleasurable to not have a job, collect the extra dough, and then wait for this thing to to do whatever before they do their next job. And that's fine. Like there's tons of people in our environment who their life isn't business. Their life is friends and family. And uh, work is strictly there for them to earn a living so that they can have time with their friends and family. Um, And I won't begrudge anybody of that. I I sometimes joke about how I have too much ambition juice because as an owner, I'm still, because I have such a passion for this, I'm still cranking code out and checking shit in at two in the morning, right? I mean, Adam sees the logs now. (laughs) Now that I have a workspace to work from home, like it's all too easy to jump on the computer at 11 o'clock when everybody goes to bed and I'm not quite tired and I just get a cup of coffee and next thing I know it's two o'clock. I would never expect my employees to do that. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, there's just no way. Um, all the facets, all the hats you wear as a business owner from HR to customer service, to sales, to marketing, to technical, to purchasing and research and all of that stuff. 
there's some things you don't want to do. Like very few people like doing the books. Hopefully you can find a pessimistic accountant on your journey, but um, there's aspects of your job that, that you don't like, obviously, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into what you do. And people get super frustrated when they don't find employees who are willing to go that extra mile. And by that extra mile, I mean on par with the owner. That's stupid. Like, there's no way that they, they don't have the same skin in the game. If I broke off 50% of the company, handed it to the employee, then you better damn right I expect them to be crowding at two o'clock in the morning because they have ownership into the company. There's something beneficial in it directly for them. So not, first of all, not recognizing that the culture is your fault and that it's yours to build and yours to lose. Um, placing the blame on other people, you're giving away your power. So you can't fix it. You can't say, I have control, so I have the ability to fix it. Sometimes fixing it is educating people. Sometimes fixing it is being empathetic and asking somebody, hey, you guys, you're always a rock star, but this last week or two, man, something's, something's up. Are you okay? Things okay at home? And then sometimes business owners will find it easier to keep somebody who they know they should let go than to let them go. Maybe they don't want to go through the effort of rehiring. Maybe they don't want to go through the blowback of some friendships maybe in the company. Maybe they, um, you know, maybe they don't want to take the time themselves to train a new person. And, and what ends up happening is you end up losing sleep over it. Because that person then starts to cause problems in the company. They make other people feel uncomfortable. They piss off rock stars because they're not performing well. And they see you doing nothing about it. So this grows as a cancer in your company. Throwing a hissy fit and firing a bunch of people doesn't change a damn thing. You're going to end up in the same damn position. You've got to recognize what you are doing. Be introspective enough to realize from a leadership point of view what are you setting up as a culture? What are you expected and expecting out of people? Is it in line with the values of the organization? Is it in line with what it's acceptable to even ask them? And that last bit, yeah, if if they can do everything you're doing, man, if they're good at marketing and talking to Mrs. Jones and cleaning, um, if they're good at understanding the equipment and cleaning things up and they're all... Dude, you're not grooming a, a technician or in some cases, a fantasy where they become an operations manager and you can leave unless you're giving them some skin in the game. Uh, what you're doing is you're training your future competitor. Now, people freak out about this. They, they think every employee is going to be a future competitor. Like I've seen a lot of people who are just single owner operators for no other reason than they don't want to groom their competition. And so they're stuck at 250000 a year because they're afraid of competition. That's also silly, just living out of fear. That's just crazy. Occasionally, somebody will say, I'm going to go start my own business and go off and you know, worry about clients and all that. But it's so rare. And them actually pulling it off is almost unheard of. Um, it's very, very, very rare that somebody will leave an organization and go start a very successful business that outperforms their previous organization. It happens. Sure, there's anecdotal evidence around. Um, but by and large, People aren't built to be entrepreneurs. They're just not. And so both expecting that out of them or worried about that in the first place is such an, uh, a fringe case, such an outlier. 
that it it only holds yourself back by even being worried about it. So yeah, find people who can care during business hours. Find and then cultivate them. Find those rock stars and cultivate them. And then don't be worried if they can't get every little aspect. Um, hopefully you can find and base it off people and personalities, not off their resume or not what they say they know. Because they have to work in a team environment. They've got to work inside of your culture. They've got to build your brand. And so that's what we've done at Service Monster. You know, it's taken us a long time and we've been through a lot and we've curated and we've, I've let go whole departments before, not because I enjoy it. Uh, it's because I obviously made some mistakes leading up to that. So, and it does also doesn't mean create this tim in, uh, environment of intimidation, right? So people get a little confused by that saying, Joe, you always say empathetic and it feels like, you you know, you're a nice guy and a nice employer and, and you people look like working for you, but you say hire f- slow, fire fast. And that, you know, doesn't that set people um, unease? Maybe, maybe a little bit, but I think most people get the bigger message, which is take the time to choose who you take on this journey with you. Hiring slow doesn't mean making sure you're covering all your options and sampling all the flavors of ice cream. It means that you don't rush into somebody who almost fits, but doesn't quite. And maybe the through training, they'll get there. You hire the individual and then train them to do whatever. And so if there's any I don't know, but then just wait, do another round and, and wait. They always show up some, eventually someone will show up that knocks your socks off. It's just like, wow, that was really, they're really good. This is, this is going to be a good. And then of course you'll talk yourself up and then, or talk yourself down and then they either never meet the expectation or you, you've, um, you know, they exceeded it. So you got to worry about how you paint them based off uh, reading a resume, a 20 minute, 15 minute phone call in, a, in an hour and a half or hour long interview. So be, be mindful of that. Um, but hire the rock stars, take your time at doing that. Now fire fast doesn't mean one excellent employee who's been with you for five years, wake makes one silly, stupid mistake in an SOP and that's it. You're out. That's not what it means. What it means is entrepreneurs will typically wait too long. They know they should let somebody go way before they start enacting it. Uh, And to the point where they're not sure at first, and that's when you start losing sleep. Like, what am I doing to my company? And then they'll do little things over and over and over again. And you'll still, you'll start making excuses for it. Other people will make excuses for it. Some people will, will come to you and say, hey, this person's not really doing what they should be. And you'll still be like, yeah, but. That's waiting way too long. So that's what I mean by fire fast. Like pay attention to the signals. And when you know somebody's, it's time that they'll be happier somebody else somewhere else and you'll be happier with them somewhere else. Time for them to be somewhere else. And that's not, that doesn't have to be like this huge. I know a lot of people feel it's like this is this massive thing. Um, But if you've hired a culture of button pushers, they're just going to go find another button to push. I would hope that it's more devastating for people who join the service monster family um, because we put so much time, effort and energy to our ideas and to our conversation and so forth where would, you know, it would sting, um, but it's not going to change your life um, for the worst. You're not going to end up in destitution because 
you lost your job at Service Monster. But everyone knows if if you if you enjoy what you're doing at Service Monster, you're golden, even if you make the mistakes. And sometimes, especially if you make the mistakes, because the mistakes are how we learn. And we have a big environment of creating a culture where, yeah, if you screw up, man, be proud to admit it that you can then grow from it. And everyone else might not make the same mistakes that you've done. Um, as long as there's no ill intent, then there's never any worry about repercussions because you didn't follow an SOP right. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what do we need to do in order to make sure that this doesn't happen next? Like, that's how we always approach it. Uh, because we always hire good, well-meaning people with character and values and, uh, you know, the need and desire to do the right thing, not only by the company, but by the client. So that, you know, that's what I mean when, I, when I'm talking about building a culture, when I'm talking about hiring slow, when I'm talking about firing fast. Um, and again, as the business owner, it is all your fault. It's your fault when they show up late. It's your fault when they smell like pot. It's your fault when they don't uh, take Mrs. Jones seriously. All of that is your fault because you're the one responsible for the brand. And so you need to control it. Um, again, you don't need to be militant, but you need to set up a culture that sets up an environment where you're attracting the right employees and they're doing the right things. So that's the kind of the bigger picture of that whole thing. Well said. Um, we can kind of move into smug, kind of wrap this up. I know you guys always love hearing about the uh, conversations that go on over there. Um, we had one from Chuck. He asked, uh, how is the mobile monthly goal calculated? And Blech. we kind of wanted to chat about this um, because right now it's really not what we want it to be. Um, right now it's just taking last month's revenue and, and adding 5% on top of that. And the reason for this was the, the dashboards themselves were sort of, uh, you know, not last minute item, but they weren't a critical item that we wanted to get solved on the mobile front. And so now the mobile app has been making leaps and bounds of improvements over the last months. Um, I, I hope that you guys are kind of getting the benefit of that, that you've tried the new app. We still hear horror stories of people. Who people are using, using mobile three still. Yeah. What? You should not be using mobile three. Stop it. If you're using mobile three and you think you have a good reason for it, send me a direct message on Facebook, please. And let me know why you're still using mobile three. Um, please, please. I, I'm dying to know. But yeah, I would like to touch on this real quick because how is it calculated? Right. The answer is the current calculation is last month plus 5%. Okay. Well, Every business owner who understands cyclical nature of business and seasons knows that that's not the best way to approach that. So, Joe, how could Service Monster produce a dashboard that does that, that's, that gives you not useless information, but certainly not the best if you would have thought about it? That's because we didn't direct it. We didn't put it in a tracker. We have a conversation around it, build like a feature set so that when we handed it to the developer, they could just implement it. Because the developers, um, they're always best when they can think about engineering and not think about usability and not think about users and not think about the pixel or the label. So if you take the user experience side away and you just say, this is what we want, build this, then they can work on the technical aspects of, okay, how do I push the data back and forth? 
How do I, I do testing? How do I make sure I'm setting it up um, within the best practice of the environment that we're in? When they start actually designing things, worrying about use cases, more often than not, you're not going to have the best product, the best build, because they don't understand what a technician who cleans carpet for a living, like what they go through and what they're going to need when they're sitting in the truck that day. I'm good at it. Adam's good at it. Michael's getting good at it. Ethan's getting good at it. Aaron's getting good at it. Everybody else is not so great at it. We shouldn't really trust them. <laughs> Amy, obviously, she knows her stuff too from a support point of view. Um, and I'll even get a, give a shout out to Brenda, right, from a technical aspect and reporting and labeling and, and whatnot. But that's that's pretty much it. And there's still only like two or three people in the whole company who would do any kind of UI design. So we ended up with this dashboard is because the previous developer, we said, let's have some dashboards there. And we said, okay. And he whipped one up. And as a developer doesn't know, the business owner cares more about a year to year metric than the month over last month metric. And so that's the way I implemented it. And nobody said boo. And it just went in because we didn't really pay that much attention. The QA department said, yep, that checks out. It's working correctly and done. Um, and so we're going to change it. Obviously it's going to be year over year, uh, you know, and then, you know, maybe we'll add some stuff to it or give you control of it, but we'll be playing with that. The bigger point here that I wanted to make around mobile though, is the state that the project's in right now, because mobile three was probably the biggest faux pas that service monsters ever produced. And, and again, I bash it a lot and even do the fight cup thing. We don't talk about mobile three. Um, but it still is an okay product. But Service Monster doesn't do just okay. That's not our goal in life. And so I was willing to fire sell the whole damn thing. Uh, technician was a prototype. Did we choose the right platform this time? Did we choose the best practices and development? Uh, and did we give you a product that technicians can use without any education? And the answer to that question was, yeah. We, we, did, we hit all those um, hot points, which gave us the confidence then to go build mobile three, which has been out since August of last year, uh, 1.0. And it's received accolades and love and praise. Um, and the engineer that started building that product, both him and Ethan worked on the project together, uh, came out of QA. So that individual was, you know, kind of new to development as well, but it was a solid product. The whole thing was put together well, um, but we still have this defense against the dark arts with the mobile department. I mean, we've been through just to, just to put names to, you know, timelines. We started with Matt, we moved to and got Lee, then Jonathan came aboard. Then after Jonathan, but still while we had Lee, we had Kyle and Kyle and Lee left. And then we brought in Julie. So Julie and Kyle worked together. And then we brought in Brian to do QA and then Julie left and then Brian and Kyle worked together because Brian liked to learn how to code and then Kyle left and then we had Brian and Brian was learning how to do his thing over the last couple of years and then he also left. So and I can go and wax and wane about um, mobile junior mobile developers, but at the end of the day, it's all my fault, isn't it? So it doesn't matter what they were doing. And it, it, the fact is, it was my fault. So we fixed it. How do we fix it? I put my son in charge of the damn mobile product. And now that we're um, now that we're working from home and remotely, him and I will sit on the couch at 11 o'clock at night and throw the phone back and forth and chat about it. 
Like, so now I am complete and direct control of the product. Um, the best mobile engineer is the engineer who now owns the product. Um, and, uh, and Adam has had a major hand in making sure that we're shored up and doing the things that we need to do there. So moving forward, not only do we have the product and the platform, but now it's, it's at cruising altitude and they're just adding new stuff like crazy, like that multi-view, that multi-route feature, which wasn't even a mobile, uh, right, Adam? It was right. never a mobile. We've never had it. Yep. We've never had it on a mobile product. I mean, mobile too, but that's a web-based product, right? So uh, we never got to the point where we felt comfortable enough with the app and how it was performing and people using it to get to that point where we could put in a multi-route view. Now we have it. And uh, I'm very proud of Ethan for his um, role in that product at this point. Um, I love the fact that it's super stable, not just the product, but the, de- the development individuals uh, who are in there and uh it gives us the ability to really build on this long term and so little things like this how's my monthly total calculated um we have a couple of those little things still in the app that we want to clean up but other than that it's it's a great product so i would really encourage you if you guys aren't on it or you're still on technician um to go play with it if you're on mobile too and you're on a tablet fine you can stay there Uh, it's still going to be better for the tablet. Mobile 2 is going to be better for the tablet. But tablet version is something that's being whiteboarded. Uh, We want to make sure that we can build you a great scheduling screen on the tablet and a really good estimating screen. So when you're in the house, you look like a pro and Mrs. Jones could see over your shoulder and sign it and do all that stuff on a tablet. So that's coming as well, but that's down the road. Now that we are cruising altitude, now we're not worried about development personnel. Um, We've got great runway absolutely um for the next uh post this was just a really quick kind of uh usability reminder um cory had asked in, in the new app how does one find an order um, for a particular account essentially you know the account history and when you're on any of the primary screens so the account screen the appointment screen the order screen there is a bar of if, we call it the menu bar, um, but it's going to have just a bunch of quick actions on it. You, know, you want to send an email, you want to, you know, schedule something, you want to look at the history or so on, but there are numerous items there. And so that is a scrollable bar, right? And just have the little swipe motion. We have UI elements in there to kind of help draw attention to that. Um, Corey most likely was just swapping from one of the previous apps. And so I just thought it would probably be a good time to just kind of if you guys are listening to us and taking that initial dive into the new app, whether it's you know just dipping your toes in or just diving in head first, you know either way, you know just kind of be aware of that. So, yeah. So in summary, the menu bar at the top of those screens that have the toolbar buttons is often swipeable. So if it has as many buttons as there is width of the screen, just try and swipe it. See if there's anything on the other side. Uh, one thing that we've been asked about once people kind of get it is, oh, well, this button I always use and it's actually off the screen. I got to slide every time. And then um, we've talked about implementing a custom button order. So you maybe long press and then you can move that button maybe to the front of the list. So your three or four most important buttons are, are right up front. So that'll be something that we add in. But those are just little creature features right? Comfort features. So that's the kind of stickiness and uh, love that we'll be putting into the app over these next few months. 
Absolutely. Uh, the next question or sort of discussion came up from Jason, and this is kind of another just feature to point out. He was asking about can we, you know, can we track who is making what change on an activity or or something like that. So if if a technician, for example, added a note to an already existing activity, um, that's one thing you guys can do. By the way, you can have kind of an open activity that just runs through the technician team. If there's a multi-appointment, you know, a large project, multiple teams involved, and so on. Um, and Renee hopped in and just pointed out, hey, the account has a newsfeed section. Um, and when you're on that newsfeed section, you'll see every little update like that, and it'll show exactly what they added to it. So it's kind of one of those things that if you're not paying attention, you haven't maybe seen that. It is one of the sidecar sections on the account. Um, in the very near future, it's actually going to be moved to one sidecar, but uh, we'll address that when the release comes out with that change. Um, but yeah, you can view that account newsfeed on the account page on Service Monster 6. So Perfect. Last, but certainly not least, before we call a day here, there was a great discussion from Heather. And again, this is one of the primary reasons we implement Smug, why we enjoy Smug. We love seeing you guys ask each other as fellow business owners questions that can help you and your team. And her question was essentially about, you know, getting tablets for her team. How do people, you know, protect against theft, against things that aren't, you know, just accidental um, you know, the the tablet breaks, it's stolen or something like that. What are your rules for use? Do they keep it in the truck? Do they keep it in the office? Um, you know, things like that. Just asking people's thoughts and experiences. And some great things came out of that. Um, just a couple to kind of highlight. You guys can kind of, kind of just, I guess, get the idea of that is one suggestion was rather than tablets, using a convertible made-for-school a Chromebook because they're actually made, you know, for students, they're going to drop it. They're going to eat their lunch over it. They're going to do everything like that, which probably in a lot of cases sounds like your guys's environment, right? It can take some damage to it. And that way he has the capability of running either himself as an owner operator, the desktop version, or he can download the app and treat it as a tablet. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Downside is you have to have an internet connection. So this is probably going to work best if you're in a more urban environment, right? Where you have something like Xfinity hotspots, which is a very common thing. Um, or if you're asking maybe the clients themselves, if they want to hop on their Wi-Fi, you know, or you're tethering a hotspot from your phone or so on, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages, right? So that was one suggestion. Um, another thing that I brought up was make sure you have some sort of just code with a QR code, uh, you know, get like a label to print off some, some, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blank on the name. The uh, the barcodes. Um, you can just have some at that. We have that with all of our major items at Service Monster, right? And just, uh, I'm pretty sure he just has an Excel sheet, but it's just a simple. He uses he has an a asset management system. Okay, so we do. Yeah, we just I have pilfered a lot of that stuff for our inventory control and Service Monster. Nice. But the main point is, is that we have just a quick way to track, you know, who was the last person this item checked out. It just adds a little bit of accountability. Nothing crazy. You don't have to, you know, break the bank or do anything fancy. Um, but it's just kind of a nice way to do that. And Toby brought up another interesting point where he has tablets for all of his technicians, but they don't really use it because they prefer just to Sorry, have. Sorry, Toby. 
<laughs> they just have one thing to worry about. They don't like having both their phone and, and tablet. They like just, hey, my phone works. Uh, you know, the phone's big enough, boss. I don't know why you, you care. And so it's just one of those, there's no perfect answer, right? And that's why the discussion's there and you should know kind of how your team is going to operate best and what path to move down. Yeah, I, I, I can't help though. You brought up Toby. So I, I got to make sure that we recognize our part in that, in that there was a bit of a miscommunication at one point where he thought that our mobile product was like ready to go on tablets or that would be soon. So it's always soon, right? We always want to tackle those projects as quickly as possible, but um, obviously priorities shift. So I am in agreement with the, you look more professional if you're standing there with a tablet, but right now service monsters going to be just as good on your phone. So I, I can see where the technicians are coming from. Once those screens are different, then they won't have a leg to stand on. And then, yeah, you'll have to make some hard decisions. Like, should we send them out with tablets? Cause it looks better to do the estimate or should we send our salespeople out with tablet tablets and just have our technicians process via phone. So I leave those decisions in the future up to you, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that Toby wasn't sitting there being like, yeah, but, but because of you guys that we didn't acknowledge our part in that in general. And, and I've heard that from people before about they wanting to, have a tablet presence in the home because they know it looks more professional. I agree. And we are, uh, we are definitely on that page. Yeah. I think this really just illustrates part of why it's so beneficial to be in smug if you're a service monster user. So again, if you guys aren't in there, you know, we have an easy way to request permission. We, you know, it is moderated, you know, we've gone over what smug is for. We even updated, I think the rules just this last week. Um, Joe, do you want to touch on that just really quick before we call it a day? Yeah, I mean, in general, be kind, um, be nice, uh, make it about service monster use only, and you'll have no problems. Don't treat it as a support channel either. Um, you can yeah, definitely. You, I'll intentionally not answer support questions for like a day. You got to call in or send an email like don't expect us to drop everything because you posted something on smug. That's not what it's there for. If you need support, use the support channels, which are properly set up to get back to you as quickly as possible and is and having the resources there to answer them. Our support resources are not playing on smug. That's how you get Adam's and I attention, help control product direction, um, bring up things that you think we might not know about that benefit us knowing more than benefit you by telling us um and then yeah okay occasionally if you want to express some frustration um we accept that too again as long as you're kind and if you're attacking ideas and not people or you know um not getting personal at all i i'll let that stuff stay up i i get it i, I get frustrated at products sometimes too and you need a place to vent and be heard and you're definitely heard there those things get basically screenshotted and sent everywhere on our online platforms and communication pipeline. So, and then of course the big thing that we really want you guys using it for is collaboration, talking amongst yourselves ab about things like tablet use and how do you do uh, you know, how do you set up recurrences and tackle commercial accounts and that kind of thing. So that's what we're there for. Absolutely. That's all I got for you, Joe. Awesome. Michael, you have anything else you want to wrap up here? Nope. That's it. 
Very good. All right. Take a look at your show notes for all of the topics that we uh, mentioned, the story brand link and so forth. And until next time, thank you so much for your attention and uh, go run your business.